Hello and welcome to another episode of the Motown Megacast. I am one of your three hosts. With me, I have Paul and Ryan. And we are recording this after one of the best weekends of football I have ever witnessed. A weekend in which Paul won boatloads of money off of just a messed up parlay. And that the the Mahomes Chiefs somehow won a game in 13 seconds. Just a fantastic week of football. It, it was hard to focus on Detroit sports this week, honestly, if I'm being real. Yeah, yeah. Um, this weekend really kind of reminds you of, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say what we're missing, but um, I guess what, what what these rebuilds are working towards. It's Kinda pretty like, like it's like a slap in the face when you not a slap in the face because it's not aggressive, but it's it, it makes you realize how big the difference is between the organization you like and a really good team, like just how far away they are. Like even we we've been happy about the direction the Lions are heading, but you watch like Jared Goff play football for 18 weeks, and then you go and watch a, a Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes duel. It's hard to be like, oh okay, we're well, yeah. happy with where I am. Yeah, it's it's night and day for sure. <laughs> All right, well let's get right into it. Uh, I'll start with Red Wings first. Um, still, I think it's officially the halfway point of the season. I mostly just want to focus on trade rumors. That'll be kind of a theme throughout this episode, I guess. Um, we'll talk about Pistons later. But for now, um, there aren't a lot of really big rumors coming out. Last year, we had a lot of, like, where people were interested in some of the defensemen, like Patrick Nemeth and John Merrill. And this year, there's not a lot of reports coming out. Now, it's still a ways away. I believe it's March 22nd uh, is the trade deadline. So there's still plenty of time, but I wanted to touch on a few Red Wings I think could be moving at the deadline, um, just because... Stevie always does something messed up at the deadline, like last year traded Anthony Mantha. Um, and speaking of, uh, I think this year's Anthony Mantha could be Philip Zadina. Um, Philip Zadina is a guy that I feel like every year Red Wings fans predict to break out and have a breakout year or breakout game, and he just never does. He hasn't been that good. Um, this year he has four goals and eight assists, or it's seven assists, and that's in 40 games played. And it's gotten worse of late. Because he's getting cut, he, he's had healthy scratches, his uh, minutes have been slashed. He played as little as eight minutes against Dallas. Like, uh, It's just not trending well. They've tried everything with him, and I think he's a guy like Mantha who could get moved if the right value comes in. He's only 22, there's still time to turn it around, but for now, he's been a major disappointment. Another guy who's been a little disappointing this year is Nick Letty. Uh, he's a guy I could also see getting moved. The Red Wings kind of brought him in to be uh, Moritz Sider's mentor, kind of to train him. And then pretty quickly, it was pretty obvious that Moritz Sider didn't need a mentor. So he kind of just took off his, on his own. And that left Nick Letty kind of directionless in the organization. And he's been slotting in decent as a, a in the second line as the power play quarterback for the second unit. But he, I don't know. He's not really done much special. I think he has a goal and nine assists. So 10 points in 40 games is not horrible from a defenseman. But in terms of his defensive uh, gameplay, he it just really hasn't been there. There've been a few plays where he's kind of turned around. He's not, I don't know, he's not one of the stronger actual defensemen uh, in the lineup. He fills a major hole in that left side. The left side of the defense is rough, so he does fill a positional need. But if they can move him at the deadline, I feel like I feel like that's a really good move. Uh, and then last, the one guy who has had um, kind of some rumors come up lately uh, is Vladislav Nemestikov. Uh, he's been the most successful bottom six forward on the team. Um, he's 
of late, he's actually been playing on the top line where they've slotted uh, Tyler Bertuzzi down to the second to fill that void of, of uh, Philip Zadina. And he's done a really good job. Uh, he's a very versatile forward. He is competent defensively and effective offensively. Um, has a has a really likable skill set if you're a coach. Has a good motor. Is, is a guy that's always in like the middle of a scrap. And the, he's just a guy who likes to get involved in things. Um, he's a guy I could see moving at the deadline. But at the same time, um, the Red Wings are still technically in a playoff run. I don't think they make it because of how good Boston and some of the other teams are doing in the East to get that those last couple wild cards. But Vlad kind of brings good vibes to the team. He kind of brings the intangibles. And he said multiple times that he he loves playing for Detroit. Uh, I forget how old he was. I think like five, six, seven. He moved from Russia to Detroit. Like he grew up cheering for the Red Wings. He grew up, so it's hard to trade a guy who, who loves the team, grew up loving the team. And when he scores a goal, he'll, he'll point at his chest. He'll point at the thing. Like he loves Detroit. He bleeds Detroit. And it's hard to get rid of a player that has that much like passion, especially in a rebuilding team. But at the same time, if someone comes in and offers way too much, like a, like a second round plus some, like a, a good prospect plus plus some draft cap, you just have to do it. Um, so my opinion with, with Mestikov, my opinion with the trades in general is I, I don't want this to be a, a deadline of the past where you kind of just sell no matter what comes in. I think you wait. We're at the point in the rebuild where I don't think the Pistons are yet, where I don't think the Lions are yet, where you can start declining trades. Uh, at the deadline. You don't have to get rid of everyone. So that's kind of my deadline talk for now. Um, that'll probably be the last for a while because I don't expect news to surface until early March. So we'll move on to something that seems to have a lot more buzz lately, and that's Pistons trade talk, namely Jeremy Grant. You want to talk to us about that, Ryan? Yeah, so so pretty much the entire season, um, there's been discussions around, or like trade discussions around Jeremy Grant's name. That's kind of just based on his play um, and the like the movability of his contract you know he's not making a whole lot of money for um, what he really provides on the uh, floor so he was always kind of circled as like the type of player that could be moved at the deadline and and it's especially right now um, with the state of the market um, for for wings um, Jeremy Grant is gonna be considered you know one of one of the top uh, top prizes on the market and um okay so we just had a report earlier today that said jeremy grant has a list of teams that um he would prefer to be traded to it doesn't say the list does it no no because it just he showed it to his representatives essentially Mm -hmm. so since they didn't like explicitly say are there any um are there any teams that come to mind that you think there's going to be mutual interests that are potential trading partners? Yeah, well, you know, we can't know for sure, obviously, just because we aren't privy to that kind of uh, those kind of talks. But um, but one team that uh, definitely makes a lot of sense would be uh, Chicago. They um, they're dealing with a lot of injuries, um, but when they were healthy, you know, they were playing like a top team in the East. So. Um, could make sense for uh, Jeremy Grant to want to go to a team like that where he could land in a pretty good situation and they also have uh, young pieces that they can send back in return where it would make sense on the Pistons side. So I don't I don't know as much about basketball uh, in terms of like how the league goes compared to other trade deadlines. Would the price be higher because the Bulls are in the East? Um, Because I know like in, in hockey... 
you want to send them out west. Like if you if you traded like when uh, when uh, Buffalo was looking for a suitor for Jack Eichel, they purposely sent him out west because the price was so expensive in the east. Would that happen here too? Would they charge the Bulls a bit more just because of the proximity and all that? Well, so of years past, um, the West has always been um, the stronger conference for for a long time. But um, kind of this year and just a little bit um, of these past few years, uh, the the East has kind of been picking it up and, and matching them a little bit. So right now... I don't know. I think there's a decent bit of uh, of just like parity between the two conferences right now. Um, I don't necessarily know how much that would impact uh, trade like value. Yeah, okay. value. But but to be honest, I just I'm not really sure. You know, interesting take here with Grant. I think he ends up out west in the state of California with Sacramento. I think that the Pistons are going to trade Grant to the Kings for their first-round pick and maybe one of their G League players. Well, they're also going to have to be able to match the contracts because Jeremy Grant makes twenty million a year. So, th- so they're yeah. going to need to have some way to to like balance those sheets. Out. Yeah, but um. I have heard of, of Sacramento is no that is, that's actually. interesting. Yeah, well, because uh, Sacramento's uh, tied to a lot of just trade rumors right now, just because uh, it certainly seems like they are looking to be buyers at the deadline. Which is interesting. It is interesting, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I don't know. I just can't imagine that that would they would be included in in. You know the teams that Jeremy Grant would want to be sent to. That's just, I just don't think he would uh, really take too kindly to a move like that. And I I just have to imagine at this point that that's going to heavily impact Weaver's decision. Is just you know obviously trying to find something that works for Jeremy Grant as well. So yeah, the, yeah, the fact that Jeremy came up, but like I think that's a more plausible tw- trade. And some of the other trades we saw were more plausible. If that's the case, if 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 he didn't have a list, but. I think you're right. He's going to go for like a contending team, one of those teams that has a future. So the Bulls make sense. The Bulls, I think that's actually a really feasible one. Yeah, and then another one, um, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, there's been also a lot of just kind of like smoke around the Hawks. And uh, naturally, a lot of people tie guys like John Collins to trade talks because he... Um, I mean, it, it's been documented that he's uh, just n- hasn't been happy at times, and um, and he just signed this extension. But uh, you know, there are a lot of a lot of mouths to feed in Atlanta, and it certainly seems like they're looking to make some moves too. So, so so a move like that would make a lot of sense. Um, I think you know Cam Reddish obviously um, has already been traded to New York. I think. Even a move like that would have made sense. That's one I had my eyes on. A yeah. Lot. So I I think there's a lot of ways you can go for like a Jeremy Grant trade because they have they have a lot of assets there, and I do think that uh you know a piece like Jeremy Grant probably could um, do a lot of good, especially for their defense, and maybe push them into that like contention tier, or maybe not quite, but that might be what they need to really make a play to kick push. it back into gear yeah. kind of get to where they were last right year. so so yeah i think um the atlanta hawks would also make sense for both sides 
do you have like an ideal landing spot? Like, is that your ideal? If if like if the trade went your way realistically, would it be Atlanta part of a package for John Collins? Yeah, it would. I do. I I think that John Collins um, is is just going to be the best return you're going to be able to get. Um, obviously, uh, Chicago has like Patrick Williams, who um, during that draft cycle, it was rumored that uh, Troy Weaver had promised. Patrick Williams that he would have he would have drafted him had he made it to um, pick number seven, so that also makes sense. But I think that you know he's a lot more raw than John Collins is because he's a lot younger, and I think right now because of what they have in Jeremy Grant as far as like asset, I really do think that that would be the best way to maximize that asset because. You know, Patrick Williams could be a future all-star, but he also... The the jury's still out on him because... You need something more certain in return when you're going to get, like, like a more verifiable asset. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so it's hard to say, but... I think the one that has... I think we've talked about this before, too, a bit, is just some of the ones that I just really don't want is is something where the Lakers or, or one of those teams that doesn't have a lot of assets ends up giving us a couple, like super late first round picks or something i I just i just don't i have no interest in that like i i I would just rather see the team turn around quicker than than play that long of game yeah and and in today's nba some of those like later round first picks or projected later round first picks are kind of just used as like bench well a lot of times they're just used as kind of like sweeteners in trade like trade chips essentially so yeah, I definitely, I I don't think Troy Weaver is gonna make a move like that. I think he understands <laughs> asset maximization pretty well, and I don't think he's going to just make kind of like a last last ditch trade just to get rid of him. Right, you're saying. Do you think um Do you think anyone else is on the move? Do you think Rodney Magruder moves again? Do you think like uh, I don't know someone like. Uh, I guess Trey Lyles. I don't. I don't think Kojo is moving because of uh, of where he's slotted in lately. But is there anyone else you see? Um, I think if anybody else is going to get traded, it's probably going to be either Magruder or potentially Josh Jackson. Oh, that um, one makes sense. Okay. Josh Jackson could get traded to a team that needs just wing depth and um, maybe a place where he'll get a little bit more opportunity than he has with the Pistons. And it's not like there's any, you know. Um, it, there's no short of opportunity in Detroit, but um, I guess if if there's any depth, it, it's on the wings. And with uh, with a healthy Hami, and if Jeremy Grant does come back, um, and Sadiq Bay, Josh Josh Jackson does get a little bit buried. So it could make sense if I don't know if there's another situation that he could go to, and we could get something like you know maybe an unproven young player in return or. Something like that. All right, so Pistons trade talk. Um, let's move on to Tigers. The Tigers, uh, still not much going on in this department. Um, lockout still ongoing. In fact, you want to talk to us about the lockout, Paul? So basically, at least the uh, players union and the owners are talking. That is a good sign. Sometimes in these lockouts and sports, you just don't see them agree to talk. So they believe that they can find common ground, and they will. I mean, they eventually will, because they're going to lose money if they don't. 
that's plain and simple. Uh, however, there's plenty of potential that they don't start the season on time, especially spring training. They have about two weeks to get it together, two, three weeks before regular baseball starts. You know, you have your pitchers and catchers report to spring training, and about a couple weeks after that, you actually start spring training. So if they can't get it done in two or three weeks, expect a shortened spring training, and if it takes over a month, expect potentially a shortened season coming up. But I think they'll get it done. We'll see. Uh, but moving forwards for the Tigers, let's assume that this uh, lockout gets done. What kind of moves are we going to expect them to make? Okay, Their biggest offensive struggles come at the second base and shortstop positions. I love their outfielders like Robbie Grossman. Fantastic on base percentage. I love on base percentage. Okay, you can get on base, you can score. I don't really care how you get on. Uh, Miggy, decent on base percentage. You know, we're talking about this season. We're not talking about the future at the moment. So, fantastic there. If you, I, they have about seven spots in their lineup out of their nine. They have about a 270 or higher on base percentage. So, and they got Javier Baez at second base. And last year with the Mets, although with limited playing time, he had a fantastic on-base percentage. I believe it was like 371. That's insane. Uh, probably could use a shortstop, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and then their pitchers. They have, like, Fulmer, Mize, Boyd. They could use another pitcher or two in the starting rotation. They could also use a couple more arms in the bullpen. But you get another pitcher or two. You get another arm in the bullpen or two. You get a shortstop. Then that's a playoff team, and that is a pennant contending team right there. But if you can't make those moves, you're going to be contending for the playoffs because this same team, keep in mind, finished 10 games above 500 the last, like, 130 games of the season after starting super below. So they have the potential to make the postseason. That's not uh, above them. However, making that next step, getting to the World Series, winning the pennant, they need about three, four, five more pieces to be big-time contenders. And they don't have to be great players. They don't have to be uh, DeGrom or Syndergaard. You know, they just have to be top 80 pitchers. That's it. That's all we want. Yeah, so I, I guess with the... Why don't you go ahead first, Ryan? You want to address what Paul, you want to talk about, like what you need or what what you need to see from from the Tigers, I guess, to for something to be realistic this this season. Yeah, um, I would say probably the first thing that you need to do is you need to go get another starting pitcher. I think that's that's because definitely what um, first. Yeah. Paul, I think you mentioned um, Boyd. I. Th- I'm pretty sure he uh, there. There's been a report that he's uh, like he's not going to come back, just because they they didn't really come to an agreement after his contract was up, um, and it was like after he had had his surgery. So, um, so I think they that's actually something they need to like a hole they need to plug, and they also you know they don't have uh, uh, Turnbull, who's um, also recovering from surgery. So. Right now, you know, you're looking at a starting lineup of Mize, Manning, Scooble, and uh, 
Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, Eduardo yeah. Rodriguez. So if you can if you can plug that last hole, then you're in a lot better shape. Otherwise, that's probably going to like Tyler Alexander, which to be fair, he I don't know. He's probably not the the player that most fans want to see, but he did fine in in kind of a, a hybrid role where he bounced back and forth in between like starting and relief. So if they don't end up getting another pitcher, Tyler uh, Alexander, I do think can, I don't know, perform serviceably in that role. But I think if they want to make a push, though, I do think they need um, another starting pitcher. I think they already. I think one of the the problems I had with last year, and it it was like a developing year, so I guess not a problem. But one of the issues with last year was how much they relied on Trey Scoobal and Casey Mize, two young guys. And it's hard for me to, to say, like, a team can rely on two, two really young guys to just come on and, and carry them to, like, a pennant to something. So I think, like, the, the Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez started that, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I have to see at least one more big splash, I guess, in, in the pitching room for, for any sort of playoff run to be realistic. You know, I think one thing that will really improve them is just shorter amount of time pitching. Like Tyler Alexander, make him pitch two or three innings like every five games. Keep him in the bullpen where he belongs. He does fine there. I don't want him starting. You have Tyler Alexander out there, five, six innings. Yeah, good Good luck. You're down 5-2. Uh, Casey Mize, another one. Four or five innings when he starts. That's it. We don't need him out there for seven, eight innings. Because guess what? Seventh inning rolls around, sixth, seventh inning. Gives up three runs. There goes that quality start. The amazing four or five innings he had. It's gone. Same with school. Four or five innings. Lower the amount of pitching for these pitchers and get these guys that look like potential starters but have like the five, six ERAs become the Tyler Alexanders. They can go out there and pitch two, three innings. That's how you have a successful pitching lineup. Don't have them face a batter two or three times. You'll learn after. It doesn't take a batter that long to learn a pitching style. Really, it doesn't. There's a reason pitchers get hit around a lot after pitching seven innings. I was with you for your initial rant, uh, uh, like a while ago, about on-base percentage. It took on a very um, money money ball feel. I believe you quoted it, where I don't care. You get so I, I appreciated that from you, but. This little, this past little rant was a little odd. I don't know. I feel like it doesn't really matter that much. Um, there might be some new stats or new new um, analytics that point towards shorting pitcher innings might be better, but I don't really care in the long run. I guess. I guess that's not going to make or break uh, a world uh, a series run, like a, a run in the postseason. I think a starting pitcher, a, another quality starting pitcher, maybe even another one after that is what you what you really need. And you mentioned it too, shortstop. Still could see a, I still could see a big signing there. I still could with, I don't know, man. <laughs> it, it still could happen. I think that could that could have a big effect. I I have to think they're done spending at the shortstop position. I I just I don't know. I know I know that's, that's realistic. Just, the the Baez signing w- w- was such a big splash, you know. Yeah. I think if they. Now I do agree that they could add another bat into this lineup, and I think that yes, you can, I think you can do that by like maybe adding a second baseman or, um, or even getting 
or I don't know, trying your luck at um, another utility player because obviously Willie Castro is is not necessarily the answer there that 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 people thought he was. Um, Harold Castro is another interesting, uh, you know, like a just a contact hitting uh, utility infielder, which. I mean, I, th- I do think that in itself does have some value, and I do think that Ke- uh, Harold Castro could come back and fulfill that role. But I could also see the Tigers going and looking for somebody who can, um, I don't know, maybe bring a little more as far as power into the lineup um, in addition to that positional versatility. And I also do think that they will probably sign at least one more uh, reliever. I, I just can't imagine that Avila doesn't address it at all. Yeah, I, I think that was a fair analysis. Um, and I just want to say this. I don't remember if we got a chance to talk about it, but I hate the Javi Baez signing. I will say it right now. I hate it so much. Like, I think part of the reason I hate it so much is because I had Carlos just – visions of Carlos just hitting dingers for the team in my mind. But I just really don't like this. I He's a strikeout king. Um, he can hit, he can hit some home runs, I guess, but I don't know. It's just not the type of guy I, I really think can be a game changer, kind of shift them towards actual contention. Uh, this is the kind of thing that really annoys me when sports teams do, where they kind of find that just above good ground, but they can never get past it. They can never get to that second level. I'm afraid that if you mire yourself in signings like this, you might get to a point where you're good but not great. No, Baez is warming up. On base percentage last year in a short amount of time uh, due to injury, 371. That's fabulous. I love that. Can you really do a lot better? I don't think so. Uh, I like the Baez deal. It saves some room financially for another quality player instead of getting, I don't know, a Castro. We don't want a Castro type player. That's not very fun. So. Keep Baez. Love him. I just I just want to say that before last year's shortened sample season, he had like a 238 on-base percentage, and it has been declining since he started. It was just not trending well. Like, I don't know. If you can do it for me in a shortened sample, I think that – I guess that's fine, but I don't know. It's just – 238 is not something I like to look at and think, oh, that's that's a good thing. <laughs> Um, just really quickly on Baez, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I think that was kind of before we started back up. But um, I, I, I don't necessarily think that he can't be a game-changing uh, talent. I just think that be, because of the way that he does change the game with, with his power swings and his, his spectacular defense, I think there are times where that will... Uh, really will be the difference in a game but other times you know you'll get the strikeouts and you'll get the kind of like the whiffs and and it's just gonna make it i don't know i i think he's gonna have like ultimately i think he's gonna provide some highs that are just about as high as uh, some of the other premier shortstops in the league but i also think that um with Baez comes some lows throughout the season that you just don't get with these other guys so Overall, I do think it's a net positive, but it, it it is it's kind of disappointing that they weren't able to find the kind of guy who just seems to t- 
take or like keep the team on stable like, and consistent. Yeah, and just kind of like on another level, like yeah, constantly. And that's where, like you were saying earlier, how another bat in the lineup would really help um, that kind of absence of consistency. Maybe get a guy who's not a big name, but Paul was talking about it like crazy, that on-base percentage, some guy who just makes up for it with good on-base percentage. Um, that's what you got to go for when you have someone like Baez in the lineup. I like to say you can take advantage of a guy that gets a lot of their outs by strikeout. You know what strikeouts don't do? They don't hit into double plays. So you can put a guy like Baez right after Miggy, right after a Robbie Grossman. A lot of people that's just going to get on first a lot of the time. Boom. Now you don't have a double play issue, and the guy gets on base a lot. I mean, I guess that's a fair examination of how he would slot into the lineup. I, like, I guess my argument with him wasn't the fact that he's going to be a negative to the team. He definitely won't be a drag. He's definitely an improvement and I do think that's a fair point of what he's going to bring to this lineup. But in terms of uh, contextualizing what else was there, I just don't just don't love the signing. With the, the amount of other shortstops that could have been game-changing, could have done that plus more, I just, I don't know. But again, way too early to say that. Um, if they get another batter, in the end, does it really matter? <clears throat> so, I don't know. That's kind of my look on the Tigers. I feel like I, can, I agree with, with what you said, Ryan. Yeah, and, and you know, we have to keep in mind that... Um... It is pretty likely that we'll see definite or almost definitely Riley Green at some point, yep. and then we'll probably Torx. see Torque at some point. So, you know, it's your uh, your team's outlook is probably going to partly depend on really like what they can provide to the team um, in their in their rookie season. So that'll be very interesting to watch as if well, especially the... if they find if the Tigers find themselves you know in a playoff push it's going to be really interesting to analyze guys like that yeah hey if we get a if we get like a cider and a raymond type type rookie year from those two i I, maybe the world series hope is real but but for now based on our signings i think there's still a couple pieces away uh so let's move on to the lions then so the biggest news with the lions isn't to do with the lions it's matthew stafford uh, we mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Um, I think we more focused on Mahomes and Allen. But Stafford had himself a game uh, in his, what would it have been, fourth or fifth playoff start of all time, I think. A fourth, right? Fifth. It was his fifth playoff start. And he won two consecutive. He has two playoff wins. Um, Detroit has zero since 1991. Uh, there's a lot of contention in the fan base right now. Uh, so I just want to hear what you guys think. Did you want him to succeed, or did you, were you kind of secretly cheering, or maybe not so secretly, kind of hoping he would fail? Um, so personally, kind of just based on the discourse around Stafford and and everything, I've kind of like decided to not really take a, a spirited stance, just because I don't know. Ultimately, I think it's it's nice to see him succeed. And I have enjoyed that, and I'm glad that he's doing well right now. But I I wouldn't have been too upset if he had been bounced early, because to be honest, at, at first I really didn't think the Rams had a deep playoff push in them. Um, so I I I don't want to say I uh, wrote him off, but I was kind of just I don't know was didn't really pay too much mind as to how much I, like you know my support for him throughout the playoffs, but. Ultimately, I'm I'm just kind of, you know, I'm glad that he's doing well. And it's cool that the trade at least 
so far kind of seems to work out for both sides. But um, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose sleep over his success or failure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really care about Stafford's success or failure either. Um, but I could have been happy either way. Because if the Rams were just meh, the Lions uh, draft pick from them the next two seasons are fantastic. So that's a reason to root against him. Uh, but if you take that away, if I'm just looking at the Rams and Stafford and his history with the Lions, then obviously I want him to succeed. I want him to win the Super Bowl. I want him to rub it into the Lions organization and the failure that they've been running for several decades, probably a half of a century now. They cannot get it done. And him, Megatron, Barry Sanders have a combined one playoff win. You know how pathetic that is for a team that plays in a league where 12 teams make the playoffs every year? That's embarrassing. Stafford went 0-3 in the playoffs. He only got there three times. Every time it was a sixth seed. And now the Lions have traded him away. Took away some of the Rams cap. Their third round pick last year. Now it's going to be a first round pick. Next year it's going to be a first round pick. Doesn't matter. He's going to go ahead. Uh, he's going to lose this week, unfortunately, to the 49ers. But he will win a Super Bowl in Los Angeles. And I think if he wins a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, it's definitely going to be this year. But aside from that, um, my so my thing with Stafford, uh, for a while, Detroit had a really rough stretch of PR for a while. Um, Kelvin Johnson openly like not liking the team, having disagreements with the team for a while, especially during the Matt Patricia era, trading away people he disagreed with, just being a piece of shit to everyone essentially, just being a bad guy. Then you get guys like Darius Slay talking crap, but you know, I don't know. There was just a really bad stretch of Detroit PR, and I think it was really important for them to send him to somewhere he, where he could succeed. So I was fine with the initial trade. Um, he went over there, we got good value back. And I actually, I, I do like the way it's played out. Um, does it hurt kind of the, uh, does it hurt the standing of the draft pick? Technically, yeah. But I just tend to think that the PR from kind of, I mean, like you said, Paul, it is an embarrassment. It's it, it simultaneous, simultaneously an indictment and kind of an endorsement of this, this new Lions thing. It might be a sign that the Lions are changing, I guess, because... On one hand, you have Stafford wins two playoff games. He couldn't win one playoff game with Detroit in 12 years. Um, that's the negative part. But at the same time, you sent him. Uh, you said, thank you for your service, essentially. We'll take care of you. We'll send you away, and you go succeed. And there's and I feel like the, between the organization, there's not a lot of, I don't know. There's a, It seems like a happy marriage, like you said, Ryan. He kind of, both parties seem to be fine with it. We're kind of looking up. The Rams are kind of, are definitely trending up. Um, I think that it also helps just, uh, Stafford's a really likable guy. There's been this narrative with the hardcore Stafford haters that like, if you're cheering for Stafford over there, you're a loser of some sort. It's like, you're taking sports too seriously. No, no one who actually plays in sports, no one thinks like that. You're just, you're thinking like a weird fan. Uh, you're not losers if you cheer for a guy who was genuinely likable and really did give his heart to the city of Detroit for 12 years. Like, it's just such a weird thing to actively hate. I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand hating him. I can understand cheering against um, the Rams' success for for specifically improved picks. But other than that, I just, he's a hard guy to root against. Like, it's not like we lost Rodgers and he's kind of a dick and he's going over there and just being a loud mouth. He, his, his wife says some dumb things, but... In a whole, I, I'm definitely cheering for him, I think. Yeah, and 
you know, if if LA had found themselves in a situation where they were like maybe the wild card or something, and they were kind of like you know knocking on the door of the playoffs, um, then I probably would have been rooting against them because that's that's a significant difference. Yeah, that. and I don't know, but I do think that um, yeah, it's. I don't think it's the type of thing that Lions fans have to decide. Either I'm for him or I'm against him. And if I'm rooting for, you know, something that could benefit the Lions, um, that that you shouldn't feel like you're, you know, doing a disservice to someone. You you're not on your team anymore. At the end of the at the end of the day, it's sports, so you can sh- you can side with the team, kinda, or side with the yeah. player. It doesn't it's, matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's just like, what reason would I have to not side with him if if he's, you know, yeah. finding success? That's that's kind of where I start and where I end, is just like, you know, I, I'm not going to put much more, like, energy into this than, you know, that's cool that he's succeeding, I'll be happy yep. for him. I, I did like that, too. He can we, Paul and I, we watched together, but Paul and I specifically kept mentioning about the, the um... The comeback against Cleveland, it just felt like that. And that, that part did warm my heart, I will say. That part I was thinking of the, the clock, it clock. Was that against Dallas? It was against Dallas, not Cleveland. There was another comeback against Cleveland. That's a different one. But when he was yelling clock, it clock, it going up there, I just, it warmed my heart. I saw flashes of him with the Lions. And I guess that, that in the in the moment, I was definitely cheering for Stafford. I will say that. I went into, went into the playoffs and went into the weekend rationally thinking, I don't really care what happens. But seeing Stafford sling it down the field to Cup, run up and clock it, there was something about that. I don't know. It is really easy to uh, root for Stafford when his opponent is Tom Brady down 27-3, to though. I don't think anyone was rooting for that. That's, that's also just a fair point. That would have sucked. We would have seen so many documentaries on that game. It would have sucked. <laughs> All right, so... Stafford talk done. Let's move on to something a little more relevant to the current organization. And that's the possible movement of head coach, not head coach, defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. Um, the, there are multiple coaching vacancies right now in the NFL. Um, today, actually, Sean Payton stepping back from the Saints. We don't know if he's retiring. We don't know what's going on. Uh, the Denver job is open. That's a pretty desirable job. The Oakland job is open. Another pretty Vegas, I always say Oakland. Vegas is open. Um, the Bears, I, I hate that, but yeah, I mean Bears and Vikings are both open still. Oh, but, the Vikings. Uh, but um, you know, actually, uh, Jim Caldwell was in in Chicago today, so so that's keep an eye on that one because oh my because because the Bears just agreed or just hired their new GM, who uh. I think he's a young guy. I know his name is Ryan Poles. I don't. I don't remember where he was from. But um, anyways, he's he's kind of like a young guy, and I've heard, uh, like you know, like a young up and coming exec, and I've heard people say um, there's a good chance they'll pair him with somebody experienced like Jim uh, Caldwell. So that uh, that would be something interesting to watch. Certainly, (sighs) some super villains stuff right there. He, I don't think he would do well there, honestly. I, uh, I don't know how that would go, but that's that's pretty entertaining. If Jim Caldwell becomes the head coach of the Chicago Bears, 
this upcoming season, they will win the NFC North, assuming Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay. Whoa, that is a weird take, dude. I wasn't expecting that. Whoa, Jim Caldwell is not that good of a coach. Are you one of those guys who rewrites history and thinks he was a good coach with the Lions? Like a really good coach? Because that's, that's weird stuff to me. I don't really get that. Like I think he was a, he's, he's a decent coach, and I think there is a place for him in the NFL. But to, to say he'll come in and succeed right away, <laughs> I, that's a little goofy. I don't think Chicago's roster is as good as the Vikings still. I feel like the Vikings, who if they hit a home run at coach, I feel like they're still the favorites. And without Rodgers, too. But um, but bringing it back to the Lions, Aaron Glenn, have you seen any smoke rising from any of these places that you see like maybe you could head there? Well, he's already interviewed with uh, Denver. and um, That one scares me. Yes, that one also scares me because that makes a lot of sense. But unfortunately, the New Orleans job makes a lot of sense as well for obvious reasons. So there was, I don't think there's been an official report, but um, I did see a tweet that said, you know, probably expect him to interview there because, I mean, for, for New Orleans, that's just kind of an obvious, you know, next step. Like that's just doing your due diligence is... If you have a guy who knows your system and has been there before and is up and coming and all of a sudden you need, you know, you need to fill a position, like, obviously they're probably going to do their research on that. So, I I don't know. It it might be time to start, uh, I want to say panicking, but... It's starting to look like it. Yeah, it's, it's... There's... It seems like there's a decent chance uh, he won't be your defensive coordinator starting. And I don't want to say anything set in stone, you know. Obviously, it's, it's all speculation at this point. But, but we do know that he's a hot commodity in the, just in the field right now. And I don't know. I think there are going to be some teams looking for his services sooner rather than later. Well, and I'll say the same thing I said. When I, when Mel Tucker had those those rumors that he was going to a di- to a different team, going to LSU, going to when your organization um, is creating people that other respected organizations are coming in and wanting to acquire, I think that's a good look for the organization. The fact that I don't know, it's just it seems like it's been a while for, since like, and I don't want to talk about like Jim Bob Cooter or one of those weird like the coordinators, like a legitimate good prospect of, of a coordinator came in the fact that Brad Holmes found you know I just think that's a good sign to the organization so even if we do lose them that's good publicity I, I don't I mean they, they've shown they can fill that spot before I think would, would I miss him yeah he's, he's been fantastic he's been stellar the secondary has been just way too good for for what you have there but in the end I think it's better for the organization I think it's good either way I don't think Aaron Glenn's leaving I I know he's a hot commodity and all, but I just have a hunch that he's going to be staying in Detroit for another year or two. Uh, that defense didn't look great in a couple of their games. I know it's not exactly like they have a uh, talent on that defense or anything, but they they just had too many bad games this season on that defense for me to think that eh, this is the next Broncos head coach. I don't think so. I, I just completely disagree. I think um, I think I think a team like it'll be about whether or not he goes. I think honestly, um, 
the Broncos could go a bunch of different ways, but I think that one makes a lot of sense. Like from from Vic Fangio to that they interviewed him for it. I I don't know, man. Um, I I don't think that's a terrible take in terms of does he stay there. I I guess um, th- there is a good chance he stays. Says he has unfinished business, which is kind of coach speak. So I like I'm not gonna put too much stock into that. Um, but he could very well come back. He could really well be be wanting to kind of position himself for a better job, or maybe wait for the perfect one to come up. Maybe. We think one of them's perfect. Maybe he doesn't. I, I don't know. It's 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 like with Jeremy Grant, where it's hard to predict because so much of it is based on what he's feeling. So if he doesn't feel it's a good fight, he's not going to go. And I think that's the biggest part is just what what he's going to feel like. Yeah, and and you know, there's a chance that he's he might just say, you know, I I just want to stay in Detroit for another year or two, um, kind of hone my craft, uh, get used to being in you know these like a coordinator slash coach role um but 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 who knows i guess we can only really hope that he's here for i don't know as long as possible and you know hopefully he'll leave us in good hands if like like let's say he leaves and brad holmes decides that he wants somebody like aubrey pleasant to take over as the defensive coordinator or somebody already on staff so it's it's certainly like you said kind of a good news bad news situation if if that were to happen but i definitely agree that it's an indication that the the lions are trending in the right direction all right well with that i think we're gonna close this out thanks for listening check in next time um you can follow me at twitter at alex pick faber uh tweet a lot about msu hockey a lot about red wings um paul it's at what is it, Paul? I always forget. It's something about a wall, right? No, it's just at Paul. Uh, I think it's underscore Cassell. It might just, it's either Paul dash Cassell, Paul underscore Cassell, or just Paul Cassell. It's one of the three. <laughs> it's Paul underscore Cassell. I remember it. Paul has some great, but out of all of our Twitters, honestly, you're going to want to follow Paul's the most. He just tweets like whatever is on his mind, and it's just really entertaining sometimes. Yeah, and uh, you can find me at Ryan Caloris. That's R-Y-A-N-C-O-L-O-R-E-S. Um, right now, you're going to see mostly gymnastics stuff because Let's go. <laughs> because I'm covering gymnastics for, for CMU where I go. So, I mean, if, if you're for some reason into CMU gymnastics, then it's cool. Come follow me. But um, you'll also see some piston stuff, naturally. Naturally. All right, thanks for listening, guys.